Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm researcher Dr. Kelly Jones, and I have this office because I earned it. And I'm story expert and evil bitch, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Angel, Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2, Heartthrob and That Vision Thing. Well, now that we've had this lovely reintroduction, I suggest you piss off and let's raise the stakes. In Heartthrob, Angel returns to Los Angeles after disappearing to mourn Buffy's death and receives a warm welcome, which is interrupted by a new, seriously painful vision from Cordelia. While he, Wesley, and Gunn go out to kill the vamps, Cordelia hobbles home, takes some pills, and hits the bath. The visions are getting worse. Out in the streets of L.A., Angel, Gunn, and Wes take out the vampires, but just as Angel's about to kill the head vamp, she says his name. Flashback to the good old pre-soul days when Angelus and Darla were hanging out with James and Elizabeth, who are deeply in love and seriously stakeable. Stuff happens, nobody cares. The only thing that really matters is that a guy named Holtz really wants to kill Angelus and Darla. Back to the present day, James discovers that Elizabeth is dead at Angelus's hands, and he goes to a demon doctor who makes him invincible for a few hours so he can kill Angel and die. James comes after Angel and Cordy. There's a chase scene, a fight scene in a subway. James fails to kill Angel, but he succeeds in dying. So I guess that's something. Back at the Hyperion, Cordy brings up Buffy to Angel, who says that he's okay. He's worried that there's something wrong with him, that the person he loved most in the world could die and he'd be okay. Cordy says that his response is the emotionally healthy one. Love doesn't have to destroy you to be real. Heartthrob aired on September 24th, 2001. It was written and directed by David Greedwald. All right. So, Dr. Jones, um, here we have a perfect happiness scale. Zero is stake this. Six is lost your soul. So where are you with Heartthrob? So I am at a five because yes. with all its faults, this episode falls firmly in the love what you love box for me. <laughs> all right. Good. Because Angel is so fantastic here, and the team is so great, and we have Fred and one hell of a surprise at the end, mm -hmm. but also a deeply philosophical story space about love, which delights me completely. Okay. Well, that's good. For me, it's a four. Mm -hmm. um, I like a lot of the stuff in this episode. I love Angel's homecoming, Fred's you know, everything. Mm. I love the weight of Cordy's visions that were having consequences for her for that power. Um, I love Wesley and Gunn. It's all great stuff. Um, I hate flashbacks. Yeah. And James and Elizabeth are truly terrible. They are the <laughs> poor man Spike and Drusilla, and they are nowhere up to the task. Um, but, you know, I let that go because the rest is so great. So actually, the fact that it's a four for me is really saying a lot of good things about the good stuff here, because yeah. the stuff I hate, I hate a lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, did Angel, I mean, well, I guess Angelus, did Angelus and Darla like go to couples vamp bars? Like, because they had Spike and yeah. Drew and now they have James and Elizabeth. And I'm like, are they double dating? Was this a thing? Like, I, I guess. I what? don't know. They have some kind of swinger, you know, page yeah. in the classifieds <laughs> at that time. I mean, how many madly in love vampire couples were in this circle? Like, and that's a thing, too, is that, like, Spike and Drusilla were supposed to be special 
because they actually loved each other. And Darla and Angelus were together because they were fun. But like when, when Darla leaves him in this, in this episode, but when she leaves him in the bar to get like burned down with Holtz, you mm-hmm. know, from last season, I loved that. Oh, me too. <laughs> great. You know, when he, when he abandons her in this one, I'm like, yeah, that's a relationship. That's a vampire relationship. <laughs> I can understand. I think that's how most of them would actually work. And with these two, you know, to have them be so in love and it really does feel like a Spike and Drusilla thing. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that, I mean, I guess that there's there's safety in numbers. So you pick up people as you go. And it does seem like vampires stake people looking for, you know, the, that, that match. That's somebody who can just, you know, run and destroy the face of Europe with you, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but it feels a lot like um, they couldn't use Spike and Drusilla mm-hmm. because, you know, obviously we don't want to kill Drew, right. um, you know, and we don't want to kill Spike. So we have to take people that we don't mind losing. Um, well, they did a good they're... job with that. They did a good job <laughs> with that. Honestly, neither one of them died fast enough no. for me. Oh, you know, oh. <laughs> I just want to see the vampire couples dating app. Yeah. You know, where you can, like, Seriously. find each other and go pillage and tear up villages with like-minded vamps and, like, yeah, <laughs> it's just, like, really? How much of this? <laughs> I don't know. It just cracked me up. So Yeah, it just, it was too... It was too close to Spike and Drusilla as far as the uh, the mechanics of the relationship, yeah. whereas we got none of the personality from either of these people. And, and even with Spike and Drusilla... I do not believe for a minute that Spike would die because Drusilla got killed. I believe that he would avenge her. Yeah. You know, but I don't think that he would be like, well, the undead life isn't worth living anymore. (laughs) (laughs) My dead isn't worth deading anymore. Like, I I just don't, I don't see that as being a thing. So it like, it feels, it feels a little weird to me. And there's a lot of stuff in this that, that doesn't really work, but, but, that's not how we start. I know. Right? I'm sorry. We I got off start- track. No, 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 that's my fault. I'm the one who's hating on it. Um, so let's go ahead and start with moments of perfect happiness. What do you got for me? Okay. So we've got Angel is back home. Yay. But I love, love, I can't even tell you how much I love this beginning of Angel at the monastery. Because <laughs> <laughs> first of all, he should really stay away. From monasteries, and all I could hear in my head was Josh Henry saying, That is not how monks work. Right? <laughs> when Angel said demon monks should have gone to Vegas, it just yeah. was so great. But I really love the fight scene because we have Angel in white mm-hmm. and the monks are in red. And I don't think we've ever seen Angel in white before. And I don't think we ever see him in white again. Right. And I was like, right. So he's mourning in white and there was just something about that i don't know what it means i don't have the film scholarship to know what it means but i thought it was very beautiful in a way um it is really interesting and i mean i think that like you know he's there he's mourning perhaps his grief is the only truly pure experience he can have because he is corrupted you know at, at the very essence of his self yeah um but yet even with the morning, you know, even with the purity of that experience, he's still covered in blood. He's slashed up, he's beat mm-hmm. up, he's, you know, beaten up all these guys. Like it's not any kind of sense of purity cannot go uncorrupted. 
for Angel. I don't know if we're ever going to see him wearing white that is not bloody and dirty and damaged. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is, it is pretty cool. And it was a, a really cool opening sequence and it was fun to see him, you know, and of course, wherever he is, demons are going to follow. Yeah. Like, he, wherever he goes. <laughs> Absolutely. He, can't, he has to pick the one the one monastery in the world that is infested with demon monks. Demon monks. You know? Yep. I mean, the man right. just cannot take a vacation. But plus, it was a truly great fight scene. I really enjoyed it. I yeah. thought it was fantastic. And I like seeing Angel, you know, he is processing this morning, which is what you have to do when you live in the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was really well done. Yeah. No, I like that. Um, I also love when he comes home. Mm-hmm. When he comes home and Cordy screams, of course, because we have to have the irony smash there. Um, and uh, and then everybody hugs him and, and, you know, embraces him so warmly. And it was like the events at the end of season two, um, you know, regardless of what a weird fever dream the whole Pylea thing was, <laughs> it bonded them all as family again, yeah. you know. And so now they're like back to a good place and he finally belongs somewhere, you know. And I love him going to check on Fred mm-hmm. you know I love when he's looking through the um through the weapons cabinet and he's like where's my hurling axe <laughs> <You know? laughs> if I had a dime for every time I lost my hurling axe I mean, I, mean I, I can sympathize it's the relatability of Angel that really gets you into the show absolutely I just I'm still unpacking I still have not found my hurling axe so I know right I feel for yeah. him yeah <laughs> And I, I did love, I love the smile on his face and the smile mm-hmm. from Cordy when she says you're back. And yeah. I love him bringing gifts for everybody. That I made me know. so happy. And he's just kind of grinning at all of them. And he's like, it's mm-hmm. really good to see you guys. And it just melts my heart. It was so great. And I loved yeah. him with Fred and kind of encouraging her to come out of her room. And it was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. It was really warm. It's wonderful to see Angel with community, with family. He's finally accepted that, you know, and uh, and it was really great. But I think, like, honestly, out of all of the stuff in this episode, probably my favorite thing is Darla pregnant at the end in the coda. I, I mean, what the hell is this madness? Like, I remember watching this episode for the first time. Yeah. Being pregnant, Darla, and being like, what the holy hell right talk about out of nowhere man (laughs) wow (laughs) no it's really really great yeah it it is so fantastic and i was so happy to see darla again because i know i I love love it i I like the contrast between angelus and darla and james and elizabeth and it felt to Mm -hmm. me like a couple who'd been married for a really long time and like newlyweds and like the married couple are looking at the newlyweds and like rolling their eyes and it was so funny (laughs) but when elizabeth said to angelus you know neither poetry nor love and darla was like he knows other things (laughs) i just love her so but yeah they're fantastic yeah and angela's told holtz when he was talking about james he said he's in love mm-hmm. it's all very passionate and befuddling right? <laughs> Just like, i laugh so much and when yeah when he kind of betrayed darla and james was yelling at him you know and james took off to go help the girls and angel just yells buy her a hat she loves a hat <laughs> she loves hats <laughs> that's i love angelus angelus is a delight he's so much fun because he just doesn't care yeah 
you know, and there's something about that after, you know, you get used to Angel and he's so broody and he's, you know, tormented and it's kind of fun to see him just seriously have no fucks to get. Oh, yeah. It's just like whatever. Yeah. So it's it's really fun. To, whenever David Boreanaz gets to like break out a little Angelus, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so great. And I love this book in kind of between when Angelus told Darla, life is boring, but you're full of surprises. And then at the very end, when she stands up pregnant and she says, life's full of surprises. Yeah. And I was like, so much for a warm, romantic, fuzzy ending to the first episode of season three. <laughs> Absolutely not. If so they had good. delivered that, I would have been weirded out. Right? That's not, how, that's not how monks work. That's, that's not, not how angel works. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I also really, really super loved, of course, our little hints of Dark Wesley, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I love Wesley where he says, we're a happy and rambunctious lot if ever I saw one. Not going to humor me even a little on that. <laughs> Everybody's completely <laughs> silent. I love his ragged hair, you know, when when Wesley stops going to the barber Mm. on the reg, you know, Mm -hmm. that's when we can see that darkness coming out. And I'm like, come on out, Wesley, come (laughs) find me. I know you're in there. I wonder how you would feel about Wesley's hair. Well, you know, because it's not long, long. Mm-hmm. And generally, I don't like long hair on men. That's just okay. It's just a preference. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying if you're a, a man out there with long hair, I'm sure you look great. Um, it's just personally like a preference for me. I like short hair and all that kind of stuff. But like ragged hair, mm-hmm. that kind of like in between stuff. Like I love Jim on The Office. Like there's something about <laughs> like messy hair on a man that I just I personally really like. Oh. So <laughs> that was very fun. Um, and I love him. Oh, God. When when he's paying off Merle. Yeah. You you know, and Merle's like, price is going to change. Yep. And Wesley's like, all right. Then he takes away a 20. Yeah. <laughs> takes away another one. And I was like, that's how you deal with Merle. Uh-huh. Like, Angel's so mean to him. All you got to do is start taking the money away. Yeah. And he will talk. Yep. Yeah. I did like kind of seeing Wesley play hardball a little bit there. It was really good. Yeah. It was really Yeah. Good. I thought that was really fun. Yeah. So, so it's not super dark, Wesley. No. But it's, it's dark-ish, it's, Wesley. It's edgy. It's dark-ish, Wesley. Yeah. I like it. I like as he gets he gets darker and darker as we go. It's <laughs> very too. fun. And of course, Fred oh, yeah. is fantastic. Amy Acker is a delight in everything. I love her. Every time I see her, she is absolutely wonderful. She's wonderful here. I also really love that we're not erasing Fred's trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, she's not coming back from five years in Pylea in torment and slavery and being like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Let's go out to, you know, shopping and whatever. <laughs> like, so she's really great. I, um, I could live without this element and I'll, you know, I should probably put this in the stake this, but like the thing with Cordy, mm-hmm. um, where she's judging you know, Fred, and there feels like there's this this animosity, like there can only be one pretty girl in the group, you know, um, where she says girls traded one cave for another. How strong is that? And I'm like, this is the girl who survived in that environment where you just were and you saw what happened to people there. Yeah. Like, how could you look at her and not see her as being strong? But we were setting up this like cattiness between Cordelia and Fred. And I'm not a big fan of that. No. But um, I love her writing on the walls. Mm-hmm. I love her, you know, sitting in that room feeling safe, yeah. you know, within that room. But that's the only place where she can feel safe. And she does have a bit of the manic pixie dream girl in her, which is a trope that Whedon is kind of a fan of. If you've watched Firefly, mm-hmm. you've seen that come back again. 
Um, but I still like I still really like Fred and I think that she is just delightful and Amy Acker, I have time for her all the oh, time. Oh, absolutely. I adore Fred. Although now I'm wondering yeah. how old is she? Because she was in Pilot like for five right? years, right? So Yeah. But somehow I know we always talk about how Cordelia seems older. Right. Fred to me seems younger. And she does. Because what, what what degree was she pursuing though? Was she doing her bachelor's it degree? Sounded like a bachelor's degree. Although the level of education that she seems to have, I would have pegged her as a graduate student. So yes. it's a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. So maybe she started college when she was like sixteen. I don't know. Um, she might be one of those kids. Also, if she was, if she went straight into grad school, she was like 22, 23, right. that'll make her about 27, 28 now. Um, it's still, yeah, she does feel a little bit younger than yeah, that. Yeah, she feels but, younger yeah. than that to me. But I do mm-hmm. love her writing on the walls. And she mm-hmm. has, sometimes Fred just has such a way with words. When, yeah. Like when she had to invite Angel in, she said, mm-hmm. it's just a smidge of vampire in you as far as I'm concerned but the universe mm-hmm. has rules. And yeah. I just, there was something about that, that like, oh, well, mm-hmm. this demon's just a tiny part of you. And yeah. I, I really loved it. Um, but I adored her listening for the click in her brain. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and she was waiting for it all to come together and make sense because first yeah. of all, that is part of processing trauma. Um, mm-hmm. But I just love how she thinks and God, I know that click. Yeah. But she is so on the money and so authentic, and mm-hmm. I just love her. Yeah. No, I think it's really great. Um, I also loved Cordelia mm-hmm. and her consequence. Yeah. Like, we've given Cordelia this power, you know? And the thing is, is that everything comes at a cost, you know? And so I wouldn't, I, I always call it consequence. I think that's probably the wrong word for mm-hmm. it. Because it's not that she did something wrong and there are consequences for it. It's that she was given this thing, this power, and now she has to pay the price for it, whether she wanted it or not. Right. And having to pay the price for power, I think, is something that um, that makes the power mm-hmm. earned. You know, Um, and I like that. I like that we are we are feeling the weight of the visions on Cordelia, that they're getting gradually worse and worse and worse. And when she crawls home, you feel, you know, so bad for her. And then there's Dennis. I love Dennis. Oh, my God. He's the sweetest. He's the best. He's the best. And there's so much talk of love in this episode. But we yeah. see Dennis, you know, greeting her at the door and helping to take care of her and running her bath. And I'm like, that is love right there. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. you, you can Absolutely. put aside the vampire, you know, passion or whatever and just watch these quiet moments with Dennis. And I mm-hmm. think it's beautiful. It is. It's a real love. It's a caring. It's it's family. Like he takes care yeah. of her. You know, and um, without like, what's he going to get out of it? Like, you know, he's not trying to have sex with her because that's not a thing. (laughs) Right. You know, so it's it's just this very pure sense of caring from Dennis to Cordelia. And it's such a a lovely, lovely relationship. I love that. And and the other sort of I I don't know if earned love is the right word for this, but love Mm -hmm. at a depth that I find completely believable was this exchange between Cordelia and Angel, where at the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, she was trying to talk about Buffy, and he was like, I know you want to talk about something. And she said, how do you know? And he said, because I know you. And then at the Mm -hmm. end, she says to him, you know, I know you. And so it's, it's not a cost of love or a consequence, but maybe it's just a result 
of seeing yeah. that build over time, you know, to where you truly know someone. And I, I really like how that plays out between Angel and Cordelia. Yeah, no, I think that's really, really nice. Um, I also, one of the things that I actually liked from these terrible vampire couple, <laughs> the, the poor girls, Drusilla, right, um, was the moment, the opening moment in the car mm -hmm. where she's got the guy next to him and he, or next to her and she's and he's saying, you know, let my girlfriend go, let my girlfriend go. And she goes, okay, I'll put it to you. What if I kill her, but let you mm -hmm. go? And then he has that moment. He's like, okay, yeah, kill her. And she's like, love, I'll tell you. <laughs> And like that relationship is over, you know, the girl gets away, everybody yeah, lives, but that guy is never going to live no. down that moment. And everything is about choices, right? You know, I mean, life is about yeah, choices. Somebody's breaking up with Bobby as soon as she gets away from those vans. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That is going to be an epic breakup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember that time you told that vampire to kill me first? <laughs> you, you can't get yes, past that. <laughs> No, there's just no way. There's no amount of flowers, no, no chocolate, no wine. <laughs> no, there's nothing. No. There's nothing. You can take her to whatever concert you want, but you're getting dumped. Like that there's, is there's that no, is a relationship that is no not problem. going anywhere. Back from that. And I I liked. Um, I know you don't like the flashbacks. I liked them this time because they framed Angel as storyteller again, mm -hmm. and I like that so much yeah. with him and Pylea that it was kind of mm -hmm. fun. But I love watching Lauren sing and his performance this episode yeah. was especially powerful. And maybe that's because mm -hmm. Caritas is back and it's been remodeled and he's back. But yeah. I just love it. And I want so badly to go slow dance at Caritas while he's singing. And I just need yeah. the powers to be to make that happen. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll definitely work <laughs> on it. <laughs> All right. So for stake this... Mm -hmm. Um, I gotta say, flashbacks, <laughs> like, I hate them. Okay, I love seeing mm -hmm. Darla. I love seeing Angelus. I hate the other two vampires. I love seeing Holtz, and without being too spoilery, because we try not to spoil too much, Holtz is going to be significant. I think that probably if you're a canny watcher of television, as I'm sure everybody who listens to this uh, podcast is, uh, you probably picked up that he's going to be significant because we've been mentioning him since yeah. last season, right? This this vampire hunter who's been coming after them. Um, so we've been slowly seeding Holtz in there, and it's it's really fun to kind of see him sort of step into um, into the the show because he kind of brings about some of my favorite stuff in all of angel so i'm really really excited mm -hmm. about that um and uh so so i mean i do like holtz i hate the flashbacks despite the stuff in the flashbacks <laughs> that i like because flashbacks are a janky ass narrative <laughs> device and if you if you go to them and you tell a story within the flashback itself, fine. If you're doing the flashback just to give us exposition and because you want to use Darla when Darla's gone, you know, um, then it just ends up feeling crappy. And not to mention that, like, the, the way, like, these sets are built and shot, they don't, they don't feel yeah. real. They don't feel, you know, so all of it, I find just really annoying, you know, and even though I can appreciate some of the stuff that's inside mm -hmm. the flashback, flashbacks themselves, 
I'm not a big fan of and going to them so often as we're doing. And I like I get, you know, we need to have the whole story. We need to tell what's going on. I don't think that we need to go back for James. <laughs> we get plenty of them in the now. But the thing is that like if they had told an individual story within you know, the flashbacks that reflected on the now, but instead it was, and it's actually like the thing that you liked is actually the thing that I don't like is, is Angel as storyteller. It's, it, it is just a hair away from, well, let me tell you <laughs> about the time. And then he looks off into the middle distance and we get the little watery wavy effect with the twinkling harp. And then we go back in time and he remembers, you know, and then we come back in and he's still staring off into the middle distance. Like we're just, we're just a hair <laughs> short of that. And then, of course, you know, we have one scene and then Cordelia's like, no, tell me more. Tell me more. Like the chorus in Greece, you know. And so all of it, after a while, gets on my last oh, damn it, see, it just It just so, makes me yeah. want to curl up in Angel's lap with a book in front of a fireplace. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> Good. Love or it enough for record, both of us because I uh, hate it. For the record, I love hearing you say the word janky. And really, yeah. <laughs> it <makes me> so <laughs> it's a good word. It's I like a great that word. word. Um, yeah, but we have like this one moment though, like the uh, the stuff with um with Angelus yeah. and Holtz. I actually like. I really like that. I love the Angelus and Darla stuff. Um, but there is that moment when he talks to Holtz and he says, "Your wife." She kept repeating on us. Of course, I repeated on her a few times myself, and that. Okay, I know Angelus is a monster. I've watched him yeah. kill people. Like, I know what he is. And yet, in that moment, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it's so easy to forget that Angelus is not just a killer. He's a yes. rapist. Like, he is all of these things. And, you know, killing, like, for a vampire, killing because that's your mm -hmm. sustenance, you know, like, it's, it's still bad. But, it, you know, whatever, because you could. You could, you know, drink the blood of a rat or whatever if you have to, you know. Um, but killing because they enjoy it and tormenting people, like, that's really terrible. Raping this woman before he kills her and then saying something like that to her husband, like, that is it. That is a, like a level of evil that even goes beyond like the other stuff and I know he's done all this stuff like we watched what he did to Drusilla what he did to Drusilla was yeah. terrible you know um all of it was terrible and yet this hit me in the face so it hard. did me too I actually had to pause the episode yeah. for a minute because I was like oh my god because I, I, I mean I wouldn't say oh I forgot Angelus was a rapist but seeing it called out like that yeah, with yes. such delight in, like, and, and I mean, that's what he is. Like, we've always right. known what he is. But it's so easy to forget because it's all in the past and whatever. But that was, that was powerful. That was a really powerful moment. It was terrible. And, it, and, and even though, like, it's a terrible thing, but the moment itself oh, yeah. I love. So I don't know why I have this in stake of this. I have mixed a lot of my cup of peanut butter in this episode. So I well, apologize. Well, we know how their show feels about peanut butter, so you're good. I know. I know. It's so good. Um, so also we've got uh, James and Elizabeth, both of whom needed mm -hmm. to be staked many centuries ago. Um, they're terrible. Nobody cares. They're not Spike and Drusilla. But if you're going to do a faux Spike and Drusilla, characterize them. You have written Spike 
and Drusilla. You've written Darla and Angelus. They're all the same people doing the writing. You cannot characterize these guys just a little bit. Give them something aside from this obnoxious, weird vampire love to define who they are. I mean, actually, I think Elizabeth in the car with the kid, you know, when she put the question to him, was actually fairly well written. Like, I, I kind of liked her in that one moment. But in the past, she's terrible. James is... I don't even know what. I mean, that James didn't get staked immediately. Who sired that guy? That was my question. Where the hell did you come from? Who sired them? Exactly. Who who looked at these two and thought, yeah, they'd make good vampires? How did Darla not kill them both in the first 10 minutes? I don't even know. Darla would have killed them so so fast. She would have killed one and made the other watch and laughed her ass off doing it. Exactly. She would have killed one and made the other snort the dust like cocaine. Like, that's what she would have done. Um, There's no way that would have happened. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It drives me crazy. Even down to the names, (laughs) right? Okay. Liam becomes Angelus, the vampire with the face of the angel. Darla had some other human name and changed it to Darla, my dear one, right? James and Mm. Elizabeth. James and Elizabeth (laughs) are not vampires, James and Elizabeth are the annoying people who are worrying about how to get their kid into the proper preschool <laughs> while they're still not pregnant, but trying to get pregnant. Like James and Elizabeth, that's who they are, you know? So like the, the names are just now like, you know, the people, who, somebody, somebody out there is worrying about their kids preschool. I'm joking. Okay, whatever. Um, and now they're like personally offended. I'm going to get emails and whatever. Um, just joking. Um, but James and Elizabeth are like that kind of like obnoxious, preppy couple that wears coordinated (laughs) Halloween outfits like that's the kind of people that they are and I do not enjoy them you know they're the people with his and hers bathroom towels that's James and Elizabeth right so if you're gonna be a vampire like pick a cool vampire name you know what you know Spike was before he was Spike he was William and then when he became a vampire he's like nah that's not gonna work for me you you get to rename yourself you are reborn you get to come up with something and these two were like nah James Elizabeth is fine <laughs> they just like the writers didn't even bother giving them interest I'm just glad names. they didn't go together and give themselves a couple name like James right. Beth or something because I could totally see <laughs> Elizabeth. I could see them doing that. Ella Zames. Yeah. Ella um. James. <laughs> Little matching t-shirts, you know. I'm with my mm. better half and they each have arrows pointing toward each other. I mean, really, we should be oh able to Oh my god. <laughs> no, they should have been staked from the beginning. <laughs> You know, they're just, too, I mean, I guess I could see Angelus and Darla keeping them around so that they have vampires to throw at holes when they run, <laughs> you know, like disposable, keeping some disposable vampires around maybe isn't a bad idea when you've got the world's baddest ass vampire hunter. Yeah. Oh, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe they were going to use them like body doubles, like stand somewhere. Oh, yeah, like yeah, vampire and, shields. And make holes sure, think that it was right? Angelus and Darla. While they like ran away. Yeah. It's, it's entire. I don't even know. I don't even know. But none no, of it, it works. Was, it's all It was terrible. terrible. It was so bad. 
It was so bad. I was just like, this has got to be what it's like to be around two teenagers who are completely smitten with each other 24 hours a day. Right. But not just like teenagers smitten and not just people who are in love because that's fine, but stupid people who are in love who also think that they invented love, who think that nobody else has ever felt this before and nobody else ever will. Um, The natural born killers of the supernatural set, they're just, they're just terrible. You are no Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde had better names. Like, you're just terrible. Bonnie and Clyde had better names. If he had been Clyde, I would have been like, all right, I'm with you. I'm with you. Rename yourself for crying out loud. So, and every every James Moore's going to listen to, of course, this podcast is going to hate me. I can see the email now. So many people are going to be mad at me. James and I have been married happily for 15 years, Lonnie. How dare you make fun of our name? We have matching towels and we love them. (laughs) And you know what? And that's that's fine. You do you. As long as you're not a vampire doing that shit. Like, that's that's where I draw the line. (laughs) Like, it's okay if you're a human doing that. But if you're a vampire wearing matching Halloween outfits, (laughs) no, no. Oh, okay, now that I've pissed everybody <laughs> off, you know how many James and Elizabeths there are out there? Welcome All to the Still Dead, the Down with Love edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm fine with love. I'm, I'm fine just with love. You. What these two have isn't yeah. love. It is it is something disgusting. <laughs> that like if you could order if you could order love from Forever Twenty One, <laughs> that's what it would be. It's this not is from the it's demonic not vampire Isle of Hallmark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but not Hallmark. Not Hallmark. It's like the cheap pseudo oh. Hallmark. The ones that aren't okay. quite Hallmark, but that you can pick up at the store next okay. to the Hallmarks, you know, like the yeah. bad cheapo ones. The ones that have, you know, little cats and <laughs> glitter on them, you know. <laughs> what I'm saying is James and Elizabeth are bad. All right, go okay. ahead and stake something before I get myself into more trouble. <laughs> Ranty Lonnie. It makes me so happy. So, okay, here was my other thing, and it had nothing to do with love or vampires. I officially want to request from the world of Angel yes. no more demonic surgeons, please and thank you. It, this should creep yes. me out. Right. Like, <laughs> so, I am so done with this. Like, yeah, let me yeah. cut out your heart. Oh, by the way, while he was still awake, what the hell? And then you'll be invincible yeah. for six hours. So God, don't get stuck in traffic on your way to Angel. <laughs> like, and this what? is Los Angeles. Six hours. So I mean, like, it's either traffic or public transportation, yeah, which like, ends up come being. On. End up, like you're going to yeah. go under the knife yeah. without anesthesia and have your heart removed, so you can be invincible mm-hmm. for like the amount of time it takes to watch the Lord of the Rings. What the hell? Right. Well, not even the Lord of the Rings. Like the first two right. movies. You don't even get to Return of the King. You have to sit there and go through I the mean, two towers. That's not even a you full know? day's work. It's like no. six hours. No. James is just it's not very not. smart. <laughs> no, James is stupid. James is stupid and he drives me crazy and I hate him. And the doctor oh, yeah. is terrible. I mean, the doctor is doing that like sloughing yeah. skin thing. And then he goes, I go through this every month, just like a woman. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. great. I'm so glad that misogyny has made its way into the <laughs> demon world because God forbid we should save that shit for the human patriarchy. Let's just let's just adopt all of the shitty stuff. <laughs> 
So yeah, so that was uh, that was not a lot of fun, and demonic surgery is is yeah. really gross. So yeah, I'm with you. I I am not. I'm over sure. it. I mean, we, we have had people cut their eyes out and their hands off, and now their heart mm-hmm. out, and now and mm-hmm. and body parts in canisters, and the the psychic guy that took himself apart. Yeah. I'm like enough. If I wanted to mix Angel and Grey's Anatomy, I would. I don't. <laughs> right. I don't. I'm done. I don't. I don't, I don't need demon like surgeons. All right. Enough of that. Enough of that. Absolutely. Oh, God. So, okay. So let's move into Alrighty. research mode, right? Um, so I, I thought that it was kind of like this mm-hmm. thematic thing that we had here where love's not love unless right. it destroys you. You know, that the only real love is the love that you, you know, you want to die because you don't have it anymore or whatever, you know. Um, and we can see that Angel doesn't love as Angelus, right? Um, but we've seen the other vamps too. We've seen Spike and Drusilla. It is a sick, twisted vampire love, but it's love. I would mm-hmm. define it as love. Um, so we've got James and Elizabeth, who are, again, Forever 21 <laughs> love, you know, um, and that's that's bad. Right. Um, and actually, now that I say that, Forever 21 is a vampire yeah, theme. That is. Right? Because mm-hmm. we get, right? So so maybe maybe they do have vampire <laughs> connections. I don't know. Um, I'm just saying it's a, it's a theory. Um, so Angelus has this disdain for love, right? He has absolutely no patience for it. He and Darla get along so well because neither of them is sentimental at all. And when they leave each other to die and they meet up eventually, they do not, I'm sure, get angry. They just have great I left oh, you to die sex. The like best that, I sex think is, is in the history of vampire sex. Oh. Absolutely. Oh Better yeah. Makeup sex. I left you to die. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the pH scale. Yes. <laughs> on the pH scale of sex. I'm just saying. You know, five is makeup six. sex, and six is left you to die in a burning barn sex. <laughs> now there is a flashback they could have included. Oh yeah, no. I'll watch the I'll watch the leaving leaving him to die in the burning barn a million times over. You know, but still flashbacks, (laughs) janky bullshit. So, I you know, Angel Angelus couldn't love. Angel did. He loved Buffy, you know, but his love is something that he can get over. You know, like he has this whole thing. Buffy's dead. You know, I should be destroyed if I was really like, you know, here or whatever. Like he's questioning, I think, his his love and his humanity because he's able to get over it. But really, that is the healthy Mm -hmm. kind of love, you know, Um, the person you choose to live with as opposed to the person you can't live without. You know, so um, so I don't know. I mean, I thought that was kind of uh, kind of neat. It was kind of nice the way we have this, you know, kind of thesis statement at the end from Cordelia, you know, who says that you're continuing to save people. You're helping the helpless. That is honoring, you know, Buffy. And then we have that contrast, too, with Holtz, who, you know, whose family is wife. You presume that he Mm -hmm. loved her, you know, is dead. And he is turning that grief into vengeance, which is not that different from what yeah. James did. Um, so I, I find it kind of an interesting sort of meditation on the nature of love and what is real love and what is not real love. You know, what is performative love? What is um, imaginary mm-hmm. love? You know, as opposed to like real love and what that means. Um, so I thought it was kind of interesting. So what did you think about all that? This lit my whole brain up and I'm still thinking about it and it's still messy. 
But I think Mm -hmm. part of me rejects the premise that Angelus and Darla don't love each other. Because I think... I think what yeah. they disdain is romance. Uh huh. Sure. And there's a big difference there's between a difference. love mm-hmm. and romance because mm-hmm. what bonded them together and kept them together for all that time, what is that if not some kind of love? Right. And I don't know the answer, but I don't, I don't fully buy it, especially with what we've seen from them and what mm-hmm. we, you know, continue to see from the two of them. So I think that what we have here is the difference between romance and a love story mm-hmm. and a love story can be dark and twisted and unsentimental yes mm-hmm. but it is still a form of love and i don't we don't have enough words in our vocabulary for this like not yeah. to mm-hmm. the nuance level that we need yeah but i really liked this first of all angel and james were defining their terms yeah which fucking delighted me to <laughs> oh, no end of you know, and so Angel was like, oh, so it's not love unless it kills you. And James is like, oh, love's fun as long as it doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. And then we had that Romeo and Juliet madness thrown in there. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so James was living for Elizabeth. There's mm-hmm. a difference between living for someone and living your life with someone. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And James was like, well, if you had really, to Angel about Buffy, if you had really loved her, then when she died, it would have killed everything in you. Yeah. And I thought, no, James, that's not how love works because mm-hmm. it it can't be, I think, our capacity for love is not dependent on one single other person mm-hmm. any more than our capacity for compassion or our capacity for wisdom. Like love is something that we are able to grow into. And mm-hmm. once we have that capacity, we are able to experience it again. Mm-hmm. So even if you lose the love of your life, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you are still capable of loving. And and like that is a higher level of humanity, not necessarily to be the object of someone's love, although that is like a position of honor, mm-hmm. but to have the deep capacity to love, I think is is kind of moving up the the ladder of what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me to see that play out with Angel and kind of his, you know, and, and where his soul fits into that and all of those things. But even in this episode, even with all his grief for Buffy, we can still see a hint of love between him and Cordelia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His love itself is a capacity. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a choice and it's not bottled up in one other person. And I think that may be the difference between romance and love, Mm -hmm. at least for me. But I have no basis for this. Like I have no citations. This is just my (laughs) rambling. I can't, I can't make any sense of it. It's just what was in my head. Mm -hmm. But that's what it felt like to me. Um, But it was really raising all these questions of what is love what does it mean to have it and what does it mean to lose it and Mm -hmm. I think that those are questions that this show examines really well even though it never answers clearly yeah yeah and you know we don't need an answer I mean sometimes just posing the question I think is is enough and can lead to some really interesting um interesting discussions about that but um yeah I don't know I'm dead inside so I don't really have anything to say about love (laughs) I just like it as a general I don't know it it makes me happy I'm a romantic at heart who loves love stories instead of romance I'm all messed up 
but I like it. And I like no, it when I, I think that's <laughs> good. And <laughs> but, love stories are, I mean, romance is performative. Right. Romance is a, a, like this demonstrated, you know, like you, you do these things and mm-hmm. you, you know, play this wild part and it doesn't really matter who you're dancing with as long as they're doing that dance with you, you right. know? Um, but love is about behavior Love is about, you know, like you can say I love you a million times and it doesn't mean anything until you behave I love you, right. you know? Right. And that's the difference, I think, between the the performative sense of romance and then just the existence of love, that the the existence of love will make you behave in a way that is truly loving. Right. You know, whereas this, this you know, wild romance is not necessarily that thing. Right. Um and I, so, I really, yeah. and I guess I appreciated in this episode too, because when Cordelia and Angel said to each other, I know you, uh-huh. what I heard was, I love you. Yeah. Because that is yeah. how they act toward each other. And that is how they relate to each other. And it's very mm-hmm. real. Yeah. And I yeah. just love seeing it on screen. No, it's um, really nice. It's a really, really nice yeah. um, relationship that they're building there. And especially as we see that kind of play out in, in the next episode, that vision yes. thing. Um, but do you have anything else for, I for research questions? Nothing to do with romance. All right, good. Okay. So now we have Fred, <laughs> mm-hmm. who I love. Yes. Is this now a five-man band with Lorne as the occasional guest hero? Oh, interesting. All right. Well, let's take a look at the five-man band. we got five parts in the five-man band, right? Okay. We have the hero, who would be Angel, right? We have the Lancer, who's the right-hand man, the best friend. That would be, I think, Cordelia, or maybe... Oh, no. I would have said Wesley. No, because I think that... Because we've got... It's, it's hero, Lancer, smart guy, big guy, and heart. Right. Right? Right. So we've got Wesley's the smart guy, Gun's the big guy... Right. Mm-hmm. He's the warrior. And the heart, I think, would be, you know, I think Cordelia has been that mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think bringing Fred in kind of connects you more emotionally. Um, and Lorne, I think, is also a um, I think, you know, and the thing with five man band is that people can kind of like swap roles right. from time to time, right. you know, and that can happen. Um, and I think that Lorne has the um, has a bit of the smart guy because he has that connection to that wisdom mm-hmm. um, and also the heart. Like he is very much emotionally connected. So while it is a messy five man band and we sort of like our roles are not clearly defined and locked down, <sighs> I think that we do get the element of those roles playing throughout yeah. all of these characters. And now I'm thinking ahead and thinking about how those shift. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be freaking fascinating. Yeah, because they do. I they mean, do. we shift around a little yeah. bit with uh, with all of these characters. And, and that's fine because like uh, roles can shift in a five man band. Mm-hmm. The thing is, at any one given time, everybody's playing one of those roles. Yeah. You know, right. cool. So, well, that was just very interesting. Okay. I haven't thought about the five man band. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And then my other question was, how does Angel know that Fred has not come out of her room? I don't know. I mean, I think that before he left, I imagine, like, although he must have left because they came right home from Pylea before right. she had a room. Right. You know, so, I mean, I imagine he found out about Buffy and then left maybe, you know, a couple of weeks later or something. And in that time knew that Fred hadn't been coming out of a room, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought it was like he was sort of intuitive about her. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it, it just struck me that like yeah. somehow he would know. And I don't know if that's because he understands more of how that kind of trauma works Mm -hmm. i mean he did spend 100 years in a hell dimension 
No, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And like 90 years, you know, hanging out in alleys, eating rats. So, yeah, that too. You know. Yeah. yeah. So it just, just kind of struck me. But all in all, like all of the the stuff that bothers me about this episode leads to such great questions that it still leaves me feeling happy. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I like about this episode. Mm-hmm. I just really hate this episode. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I love. Narratively, we've got big problems. James and Elizabeth are so annoying that they tend to suck the air out of the room. Um, but there is some great stuff happening in this episode, too. So I don't know. It's a it's a mixed bag for me, mm-hmm. but I, I really do like it. So I, I'm going to take us into the brood. All right. Okay? Um, so Heartthrob is not a great episode, narratively. Um, but its small moments make up for it. And it sets the stage for the season by introducing Holtz and a pregnant Darla, which is so much fun uh so it is a definite watcher and that brings us into our second watcher of the day that vision thing in that vision thing cordelia suffers torment after torment when her visions bring on physical manifestations gashes and boils and burns a series of horrifically painful visions that seem to be sending angel on a heroic scavenger hunt for connected mystical artifacts cordy questions why the powers would punish her like this and lauren uses his psychic powers to tune into the frequency which gets him thrown across the room and knocked unconscious but also reveals that the visions aren't ptb approved they're being generated by an enemy Angel immediately goes to Wolfram and Hart to confront Lila, who has been seriously upping her evil game of evil badassery. She hired a psychic who can levitate and use his super brain to send Cordy false visions that can also kill her. Lila orders Angel to use the artifacts to travel to a demon prison dimension and rescue a man who's been in prison there if he wants Cordy's visions to stop. Knowing Wolfram and Hart, the guy in this prison may be the Antichrist, but Angel does what he must to save Cordy. In the Demon Dimension, Angel fights Skip, the sarcastic guard of the fire prison, and Angel defeats him, but does not kill him. He returns to LA with the seriously scary, crazed-looking prisoner, meets Lila and team at the rendezvous point, and after making the exchange and ensuring that Cordy is healed, Angel kills the psychic with a steel rod through the brain, but he lets Lila live. Team Angel knows they'll have to face the consequences of freeing the prisoner, but they don't know that a very pregnant Darla is on her way back to Angel after the shaman she's been searching for failed to end her pregnancy. Consequences are closing in, and Season 3 is off to one hell of a start. That Vision Thing aired on October 1st, 2001. It was directed by Bill Norton and written by Jeffrey Bell. All right, Dr. Jones, on the perfect happiness scale, zero is stake this, six is lost your soul. Where are you at with that Vision Thing? So, so close. I gave, <laughs> I gave this a 5.5. And I, and I right. could slide into a six. Um, okay. I was torn between a five and a six. It's only hating seeing Cordelia so tormented that I took off mm-hmm. half a point. But I love this damn episode. It is a rising tide of darkness about to crash hell over everyone. But our team loves each other. And Lila is so good at being evil. And I adore it all. You know, it is a really, really great episode. I mean, I gave it a five. Mm-hmm. I gave it a five. It's it's good. But like, I'm saving my sixes. Yes. I'm saving my sixes for <laughs> stuff that like really blows my socks off. It may not happen until smile time in season five. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Um, <laughs> 
But um, I, I love it. I think the story works. We've got nice escalations. We've got a clear antagonist with clear goals. Um, we've got great moments for the main crew. We're expanding to make room for Lorne and Fred within the main um, crew there. Uh, Wesley's hair is messy, <laughs> which, of course, always makes me happy. He's tough and he's smart. And we get Angry Angel. Yeah. So basically, it's kind of all the things that I yeah. love. And Lila and Darla. I'm just being stingy. No. Oh, my God. Lila. Oh. I love <laughs> Lila. All right. So moments of perfect happiness. I have to say for me, Angry Angel delights me every time. Oh, yeah. Um, I love how serious he is with, uh, with Lila when she says, you're a remarkable man, Angel. And he says, yeah, and you're an evil bitch. And <laughs> I'm just so like, great. oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Smack down. <laughs> and I love that, you know, once Cordelia is better, he throws that rebar through Cal Penn's head of Cal Penn, comedian Cal Penn is our, uh, our demon guy with the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love how badass and cold he is. I love how he says, don't ever come at me through Cordelia again. You play that card a second time and I'll kill oh, you. Yeah. You know, I love Angry Angel. I'm here for Angry Angel. So much better than Broody feeling bad about Ben's guilty <laughs> angel. This is like my favorite. I love okay, it. Okay, so I had forgotten about the rebar yes. through the brain. And in right. my notes, like they were making the exchange and everything was fine. And I was like, wait, wait. How are they going to stop Lila from doing this to Cordy again next time? And then I went, oh, oh, that's how. <laughs> oh, that's how. <laughs> Question answered. <laughs> that's how. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, another thing that I really love in this episode, I love the Cordy yes, stuff. Oh, my too. God. She's so fantastic. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is that, you know, when a a woman is put in danger to motivate the man, you know, so that he can go and do the rescuing, we call it damseling, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're just dangling Cordelia over a live fire pit or making her pregnant or, you know, whatever (laughs) we do. Pregnant with demon spawn, got a demon eye in the back of her head. Like Cordelia has been through some shit, you know? Um, But in this particular instance, um, Cordy's suffering is not a damseling. And here's why. Um, Her suffering is actually important to the plot. It's pivotal to the plot. It's deliberately used Mm -hmm. to motivate Angel. Definitely. But not just for that. I mean, it's part of the bigger storyline. It's part of a bigger role for her. Um, And she is, has been suffering with this for a long time. It's been getting really bad um but she is making this choice you know to stay with the visions to um you know she wants to have them she doesn't want to lose them they're important to her you know um so i love all of that i think that it's great i think that uh we're you know it's not a damseling just because it's a woman who's being hurt doesn't necessarily make it a damseling there's a lot of things it's just like one of these things that like it doesn't matter that she's being hurt she's just being hurt to motivate the man Mm and that's it but this is a much bigger part of not just this episode but the whole season storyline um and so i think that it's it's really really great Yep. I co-signed that all the way down. This is probably <laughs> my favorite Cordy episode so far. Yeah. No, I think mm-hmm. it's really good. It's just tough. Oh, man. yeah, she is. She's got all those injuries yeah. and she's not telling yeah. anybody, you know, um, it's it's crazy. But also we have this, you know, moment where she's, you know, she's being hurt and she's going back to, am I a bad person? Right. right? You know, questioning her own goodness, because why would the powers do this mm-hmm. to me? 
you know? Um, and that's something that Cordy goes to on a regular basis, which I find interesting because she was, you know, I mean, yes, she was a mean girl right. in high school. You know, she was mean. She bullied Willow a bit. But, like, honestly, she, she got over it. Like, she was a mean girl for, like, the first, I don't know, 12 episodes of Buffy. And then she's, like, part of the team. And she's cool. She's, she has no tact. But tact is just not saying true stuff. So <laughs> she's our, she was our truth teller over in Buffy. And she tried to help people. And she, you know, she was a good person like basically you know so she but she always has this sense that she's being punished for being such a bad person and it doesn't feel like earned guilt to me like angel you know angel did terrible things like angel feeling bad while i get tired of the broodiness and the guilt like i'm like all right you got good reason to feel guilty um but this unearned guilt that we see a lot in storytelling that we sort of underline like how good our characters are by how guilty they feel over things that either are not that bad or that they didn't do or Mm -hmm. you know that stuff that's not their fault that they couldn't have prevented like things like that um so that note didn't really hit as well for me but god i love how steadfast fast she is. I love how strong she is. I love the relationship with Angel. I love Angel being like, I'm not leaving her yes. side. Um, all of this stuff, you know. Um, and then, you know, and then we have her at the end. Like, what if that guy you freed does something terrible and it's my fault? Like, A, wouldn't be her right. fault. You know, Cordy, you could not have stopped Angel right. from doing this. You know, like, you had no, none of this is your fault. If that guy does something terrible, it's on Lila. Mm-hmm. Because Lila put this, it's not on Angel, and it's not on Cordy, it's on Lila. And so putting the blame where it actually belongs is something that, like, heroes a lot of times in these stories just can't seem to do. You know, they blame themselves for everything. And I don't think that that, like, that doesn't work for me as a narrative device to illustrate for me how good somebody is by how guilty they feel. You know, um, so like Angel's guilt, I get there's there's good reason for him to feel bad, although there are questions about exactly how culpable are you when you are, you know, um, possessed by a demon, right. you know, any any other kind of possession. And we take the guilt completely off like, you know, Xander and and the pack in Buffy, you know, like he did all that terrible stuff while he was under the, the influence of the hyena. And we don't hold him responsible for any of it, you know. Um, but there is something about the vampire that we hold them responsible for everything that they've done. And I'm still, I still haven't quite shook that out to understand how that works exactly. But Cordelia's guilt, I think, is completely unearned. Did you feel I that I did, way? because it, it did sound mm-hmm. like, you know, she was expecting to be punished again. Although I didn't think of the mean girl in high school. I thought of her wanting mm-hmm. to stay a princess in Pylea. Um, But I, I liked, because we did get some of that here, but we also see Cordy starting to push back on it a little bit. She says like, this has to be a mistake because the powers wouldn't do that to me on purpose. And, and that really leads, you know, Fred to start asking questions and then Lauren to be able to get in and and intervene. And, and I like Mm -hmm. the fact that there was a part of her that knew this was not yeah. coming from the powers and like she's learning to trust herself in that way. Mm-hmm. And I really did like it. Um, and yeah, but I, and I, I just, there's so much like melty heart love here Aww. between mm-hmm. Angel and, and Cordelia when she says, you know, mm-hmm. if I lose the visions, I won't be able to help you anymore. You won't need me. And Angel says, that's not why I need you. And Aww, I just melt completely gone. Like, it's so great. And then, mm-hmm. like, 
there is nothing more loving to me than, you know, fierce choosing. And we have this moment when Angel tells Cordy, you were way more important than winning. Like he didn't even Mm -hmm. stop to consider the consequence. It it doesn't matter. He is going to go save Cordelia. And he's like, we'll deal Mm -hmm. with the consequences when they happen. But I was going to save you. Like, it's not even a question and I would do it again. Yeah. And I Mm -hmm. love that. I know. I know. It's wonderful. And, And then from that deep loving part of my heart, I flip over Mm -hmm. to this absolute delight in the wicked, cold, evil that is Lila and Wolfram and Hart. Oh, my God. (laughs) Lila. Makes me question myself as a person, but I don't care. It was amazing. And Lila's fantastic. Lila is so great. And I'm so glad to have her back. And we have her back at like a whole new level. She is in charge. She has a smart mm-hmm. plan. She is capable of executing this plan. Yes. And mm-hmm. she wins. Like, she gets mm-hmm. what she wants. And I love when she tells Gavin, I have this office because I earned it, as did Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And I liked yes. her speaking up for Lindsay. Even mm-hmm. though. Yeah, I yeah. like it too. Like, he's not around. Yeah. So natural. <laughs> like, he's not around. He's not yeah. a threat. He's not going to take her job. He's not going to get her killed. So now she's like, all right, I can yeah, work Yeah, I, I thought that was really great. But when she, yeah. when Angel mm-hmm. comes into her office and she is not afraid of him and she's just like, mm-hmm. baby, we are just getting started and you'll do this for me because yeah. I told you to. And I was like, holy oh damn. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. So great. It was so great. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Lila. She's fantastic. Um, seeing her like at her badass best is really, really fun. Her incredible capacity for evil. And I mean, this is the thing, like, you know, obviously she's a bad person who does bad things. And when Angel says, I will kill you, I like it, you know. But what yeah. I like about Lila is that she is so clearly herself. Like we know mm-hmm. who this character is. She knows who she is and she's written well, you know, yes. and that's what makes her a wonderful character. It's not that you like, you know, necessarily approve of her morality, you know, no, no, but as a character, she is a yeah. goddamn delight, you know, she I mean, is. I love her. It was also really fun for me to see Gavin Park, see mm-hmm. Daniel Day Kim, right, who I yep. love. And every time yep. I see him, I just keep thinking, oh, I can't wait for Still Lost, <laughs> which is coming up after Still Dead when we do Lost. Um, yes. It's so fantastic. He's so wonderful. I love that he walks in and no one is impressed with him. You know? <laughs> and Cordian's like minion of darkness, Satan's toady. But that is a nice suit. You know? Yeah. And I love how he's like planning to take Angel down through real estate infractions. And Lila's like, step back, sugar. Exactly. I'm about to send Angel to a demon prison dimension. Just let me show you how the adults do this. Oh my god. And I love so Wesley great. when he steps up and he's like, I suggest you piss off. I'm like, yep. Oh, that's yes. my dark Wesley with his messy hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I really liked when Gavin came into the hotel and yeah. sees Fred. Mm-hmm. He asked, is that a new player? Yeah. And Wesley, Cordelia, and Gunn all stand in front of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they are all immediately protective of Fred. And, mm-hmm. and I love that. I like that, too. Because my next section of perfect happiness is Fred. Aww. It's all Fred. Mm-hmm. So Fred with the yellow pages. Yes. It's the most adorable thing. I know. Underneath the desk. I know. <laughs> I just, God, 
<laughs> I love her. She's got all the H's. Yeah. And, like, oh. and I love her thought process mm-hmm. and all of her connected ideas when she rambles because I ramble too. But like I can cognitively follow yeah. where she's going mm-hmm. and you can see like this fracture of self. Yeah. But you can still see how her mind works. Mm-hmm. And Amy Acker's ability to pull that off just astounds me. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Like the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, not a fan of because usually Mm -hmm. we tell that story from the outside in that it is the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is an extremely male gazy kind of character that we have this kind of um, girlish, you know, almost childish, you know, waifish Mm -hmm. kind of character who's just so quirky and weird and like, you know, and, and it's told from the outside in. You know, um, and and Fred has a lot of those kind of manic pixie qualities, but we're telling her story from the inside out. Like we're with her in that space and she is right. quirky, but she's also intelligent. She's smart. She figures this thing out. She comes up with the the thesis that basically gets us through to um, to the conclusion, to the resolution, oh, you know, yeah. And I- um, I loved her saying everything's made of energy. Yeah. Maybe we can figure out the frequency and trace the call. And yeah. I was like. When she's over her trauma, mm-hmm. if she wants to go out for coffee. Oh, yeah. I'm buying. <laughs> you a little thirsty for Fred? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. She's fucking brilliant. That's like, okay. No, she's fantastic. It, it's just the mind in yeah. this woman is amazing to me. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing. Like, from the outside in, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is just all about this, you know, this childish, girlish, you know, yeah. girl that you're allowed to be in love with because she is a full-grown woman. But right. she still has those little girl qualities and she's quirky and she's weird and you can't understand her. With with Fred, you can understand her and you're with her and you're experiencing this with her. And the qualities yeah. that she has that are manic pixie are, you know, basically stemming from her trauma and she's going to get over it. So, um, so I really like all of that stuff. I Not love Fred. I think she's fantastic. Um, I also really love uh, the demon Skip. Right, yes! you know, played oh by God. David I Denman, right? Who was Roy in the Office? So it's really fun to see Roy go toe to toe with uh, with David Boreanaz in that <laughs> <fight> scene. Um, <laughs> and it's really and I love this. Angel's like, "So you live here, Skip?" And Skip's like, "No, I commute. Not bad. Yeah. Ten minutes, you know." Um, <laughs> it's just so cute. It's so cute. I love the banter yeah. between him and Angel. He's like, yeah. "You know, you're not supposed to be here, right?" Mm-hmm. Plus, a demon named Skip. Yeah. It's so fantastic. I know. I, I love, love that. I love and I, that. And I had a couple of like lines that I just love that didn't mm-hmm. fit anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but for one thing, this show really loves peanut butter. Yes, it does. And we got a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Gunn talking to the exterminators. And we uh, didn't quite follow that through. So like, yeah. I don't know what happened, even though, you know, it's Wolfram and Hart, mm-hmm. you know, up to something. Mm-hmm. But he said, you got 30 seconds to show me your work order before I start doing some exterminating my damn self. Oh, yeah. Woo! Yeah. I love it. Gun's cool. <laughs> Gun is very cool. They're not giving Gun a lot to do as far as like story movement, but his lines are all great. You know? Yeah, they I are. I love what he says, we're burning moonlight, you know, when yeah. they have with Angel. <laughs> He's just, he's fantastic. It was so good. We've got this fight scene, this weird fight scene with the, uh, the old couple, you know, Mm -hmm. so we've got this old Asian couple. And on the one hand, I love that we've got an old couple that can kick ass, right? You know, so that's really fun. 
but the the Asian people who are martial arts magicians, you know, like that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, come on. Do yeah. we have to do this again? You know, I mean, can't we have Asian people fight in any other way? Apparently they can only do martial arts, you know. <laughs> so I was I was really happy to see the older representation. I thought that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, but the rest of it I wasn't quite that sure about. But I love when guns like grandma grandpa got game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was great. It yeah. was great. And I love Lorne, mm-hmm. like, seeing this new side of his power. Yeah. When he was trying to tap in with Cordy. And, like, that he could figure out, no, mm-hmm. that vision is not coming from the powers yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. But when he said transmitting false data through the celestial pipeline. Yeah. Like, my brain just exploded in happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's really, really good. There's a Freaking lot of really lightning. good stuff. And then, of course, yeah. we get another Darlacota yes! right at the end. Men are such babies. babies. Time to go visit daddy. I love it. <laughs> well, I love it when this shaman asked her if the father of the baby was also a vampire. And she said, yes, they're not a very good one. <laughs> I love Darla. <laughs> I love Darla. She's so fantastic. Um, and this is my favorite Darla. Like Darla... I gradually like more and more every time she comes in, you know, mm-hmm. and this is now we're getting into my favorite pregnant Darla is like my favorite thing in the whole world. Because yeah. I remember I, I love my kids. I hated being pregnant. So I oh, remember that yeah. feeling of just being like, no, I'm just not taking anybody's shit. Today. Pregnant Darla with no fucks to give. Is pregnant Darla the with best. no fucks to give. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So for the steak, this my steak, this is pretty thin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing I hate is that two pretty girls can't be in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a little bit of this in the previous episode in Heartthrob, and now we're getting it playing through again with Cordy being kind of mean to Fred and not having any patience with her. Um, and, you know, like, I understand that, um, that Cordy's been through a lot, like mm-hmm. that, you know, she's really suffering, but she doesn't talk to Wesley like this. She doesn't talk to Gunn like this. Yeah. She talks to Fred like this, you know? And uh, and so I find it really irritating because it's it's like we don't know how to write two women that aren't at war with each other for some mm-hmm. reason. Like two pretty girls can't be in the same place at the same time. Like they've got to fight. And I just I don't like it. And we've seen that with Cordy, with um, Bethany from Untouched, yeah, you know, last season. We see it with Cordy, with Darla. Although Darla's a vampire who, you know, has tried to kill Angel a number of times. So fair enough. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but like every time there's another woman around, Cordy is kind of bitchy to her. And I don't really like that. And I feel like it's, it just feels like a flaw in the writing and in the understanding yeah. of women. And I didn't even think about it in terms of two pretty girls until you said that. Yeah. Um, because she wasn't that way with um, Harmony. Yeah. But Harmony, well, was, Harmony all, was her friend. Harmony right? was already yeah. hers, right? Mm-hmm. And this felt to me like, okay, we just brought home the new baby sister mm-hmm. and I don't like her. Yeah. Like, I don't want a new person. And yeah. maybe it's because she's already so emotionally tapped out or like stretched yeah. so thin. Mm-hmm. But I I did wonder like why so much of this empathy and caring that Cordelia has does not seem to extend much to Fred or if, you know, Fred just it doesn't really extend gets to women. Yeah, but I think like, you're there's right. There's some internalized like, misogyny in, in Cordy yeah. that I'm finding a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, I didn't think about it in that term, but I'm afraid you might be right about that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would love if anybody out there has an example, aside from Harmony, 
where there's been another woman in the room and Cordy has been okay with her. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It feels, it feels a little weird. It feels territorial. Mm-hmm. It feels, um, it yeah. feels like we're going into this like catty space. Yeah. Cause she Cordy. didn't like it when Buffy showed up either. No, she didn't like when Buffy showed up. She didn't like Faith. Like, I mean, well, okay. I mean, fair you know, enough. Faith. Fair enough, Faith. Right. I understand. Herself, but like the way she treated Bethany, yeah. you know, and like she she treats women like uh, like competition. That's true. You know, and I don't I don't particularly care for yeah. it. The other thing I didn't really care for in this episode was the, the dick jokes. Yeah. You know, where Wesley says dick and Gunn gets uncomfortable with it because straight men can't say dick to each other or they might be gay. That's the rules. Right. Um, So all of that I felt um, I didn't particularly care for. And then Wesley says Dong. It's just part of this guy's name. And then and then Gunn gets mad about that. And I'm like, oh, come on. Gunn is not that guy. Like, I don't think I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like Gunn to me. I just rolled my eyes because all I could hear was the line from the Veronica Mars movie Mm -hmm. when Keith Morris says, which one sounds better? Hey, dad, I'm marrying a lawyer. Hey, dad, I'm marrying a private dick. And Veronica (laughs) says, no one says dick anymore. (laughs) Like, that was all. I just rolled my eyes and kept watching. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just like the 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 undertone there of, you know, you cannot reference or you can't say something. He wasn't even talking about penises. He was talking about detectives, you yeah, know. Right. And and just the idea that you cannot say that word because, you know, you might get some gay on you and God forbid you should get some gay on oh, you. Like no, that whole that whole undercurrent there is something that I just first of all, and again, like I love things that are in bad taste. I mean, good God, you know, like I am okay with stuff that's in bad taste. I'm going to call it out if it's societal bullshit, but I'm still going to love it if it's a well-constructed joke. But if it's not, I'm going to have a problem. Janky. That is not Exactly. (laughs) Give me a janky joke and I'm going to throw it back at you. I don't care. (laughs) All right. So what puts you in research mode for that vision thing? Okay. So for research mode, I'm with Wolfram and Hart. Okay, Okay. so Angel's moral crisis here with the prisoner did not slow him down for one second from saving Cordelia. Yeah. So is this part of Wolfram and Hart's grand get Angel back on the dark path again plan? Like, Mm -hmm. have they resurrected that campaign? Is it just something else? I don't know. Um, I don't, we don't. Maybe two birds with one stone. Like, we got to get this guy out. How can we make Angel go dark while doing it? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Lila got this position for a reason. Like, she's good at what she does. Yeah. But, like, she needed a good guy that could pass through that dimension. I mean, that was a hell of a plan. Like, we got to give Lila props. Yeah, no, that's a good play. It was a good plan. I mean, she's, you know, she's bold. I like it. But I'm just kind of wondering, all right, are we back to that again? Mm -hmm. Um, And then aside from the most obvious, how in holy hell is Darla actually pregnant question, why didn't she go to Wolfram and Hart for help? Like she's traveling the whole world looking for someone to help her. Why didn't she go back to Wolfram and Hart? I think maybe because she murdered most of their corporate team the last time she was around them and they might not be inclined to help her. Yeah, but they're scared of her. Oh, fair enough. And they should be. (laughs) She's tough. Plus, I mean, they probably have like teams of specialists who would like give their eye teeth to help oh, with this yeah. to deal with a pregnant vampire i just thought yeah i don't i don't know like if, if i, I was her i don't think i'd go done, to wolfram and hart and in that I circumstance people, either i would probably kidnap lila and get my research done oh yeah yeah i don't know okay mm, so then here's yeah. my big question 
And I yes. think the answer is because she's human, but I'm starting to like that answer less and less. Yeah. Why didn't Angel just go ahead and kill Lila and the prisoner while he was at it? Um, I think because he, like, he had one thing of rebar, right? There's all those people <laughs> there. Like, you go after the thing that can hurt Cordelia. On top of it, if if Lila is afraid of him, Lila is better to him you know, in that position in Wolferman Hart and afraid of him than somebody new coming up trying to make their bones on Angel, right? So I think maybe there's that. Um, why he didn't kill the prisoner? I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe it was because they're human. You know, he mm-hmm. warned them. Um, and he doesn't know what the prisoner has done. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what, I mean, you know, he he obviously was in there for reasons. Skip said, really bad dude. You yeah. Know? Um, so I don't know. Um, but I think that he wanted to send a message and having Lila in that position and afraid of him, I think is better for him than killing her and opening up a power vacuum in, in Wolferman Hart. Okay. Well, I like that answer better than because she's human and he can't. So that works. Yeah. 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 I think, I think he's getting to the point where he will kill her. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, because human, whatever evil is evil. Right. Well, that was all I got. So I'll move us into brood mode all right so in that vision thing we see angel choose between everything he stands for and saving cordelia and choosing cordelia without a blink Mm -hmm. we don't know what's coming from the prisoner he freed but we know it's going to be bad and that lila is behind it and that wolferman Hart is back in play and leveling up darla's on the way to tell angel that he's gonna be a daddy which should be (laughs) impossible and with so much trouble brewing this episode was definitely a watcher plus it was a damn good episode it really was. It's a really good episode. So, okay, we already know that Fred's making you thirsty. <laughs> Is there anything else? What's making Dr. Jones thirsty this week? So not so much thirsty as all warm and fuzzy and melting Aww. because we get sweet, tender, loving angel, and it just delights me. The romantic side of thirsty, I guess. I like okay. him like this. We don't get a I'll lot of it, but... I like it. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I like him angry and I like Dark Wesley. I have a feeling I might be going dark. Oh, no, honey. I'm always there with you on that. Uh, <laughs> it's just this stood out a little more. <laughs> no, I used to be the girl that was like, oh, the love story. And now I'm like, oh, the angry person. No, give me that. Oh, no. I always like Angel angry, but um, we yeah. we will have to add like five additional shot glasses to the counter when we get to truly Dark Wesley. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's going to be a lot of fun. All right, Dr. Jones, what is your favorite part? I like Angel's unflinching choice to save Cordy. Moral ambiguity be damned. Mm -hmm. No, it's good. Yeah. What about you? Um, Angry, angry angel. The the, you come at me through Cordy again, I'll kill you angel. That's like my my favorite. Rebar through the brain angel. That's yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. All right, to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag stillDead. For more in-depth discussion, visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on the forum, and join in the fun. Or you can support Chipperish Media to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat and Discord, where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons who are burning moonlight. <laughs> visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. 
You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review. That's one of the most effective ways to show support for your favorite podcasts. Or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. And to say thanks to our rogue demon hunters who take the time to write reviews, we return to the Prophecy Scrolls. I'm writing these in reverse chronological order, so post your review and you'll hear your prophecy soon. For at Pizzo, the powers that be want to help Angel pay all those pesky hotel real estate fines so Gavin can stick his paperwork where the sun don't shine. They have called on you to secure funding for a new tabletop role-playing game, Demons and Dimensions. <laughs> don't worry about the initials. No one will get it confused with that other D&D game. Your mission is to design the artifacts, characters, and scenarios, and we wish you the best of luck, seeing as how interdimensional travel makes absolutely no damn sense on this show. <laughs> Be sure to include ways for players to return home, because getting stuck with Skip and his fire cell would suck. Bonus points if you can freelance with an evil psychic to include multi-sensory experiences for players, and double bonus points for plot lines that don't violate all the world-building rules as we know them. <laughs> Bring your schemes to the powers that be marketing department, and Lauren will help you find the right frequency. <laughs> God, I love those. <laughs> we'll be back next time with that old gang of mine and Carpe Diem, the third and fourth episodes of season three, both of which are skippers. Until then, time to go visit Daddy. <laughs>